Good morning. Glad to be able to gather together this morning. Trust us as we have sung that we love the Lord with all our heart. Um, we know there's a lot of things in this life that vie for that attention, that um, strive to take our hearts away from the Lord our God. Just a few thoughts this morning. Try to read from Psalm 25, first several verses, uh, I guess. Last weekend, the his brother Jason closed um, at least one of his messages, maybe a couple of them. We had us uh, sing the, the first couple verses here to, together of this psalm. And I don't know, I guess short memory of God, what, he, what you hear last maybe kind of sticks with you the most. I don't know what it is, but... Um, might just read, I don't know, down to maybe just the first seven verses there, this psalm, Psalm 25. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. See, the, the psalmist just, he starts out expounding the trust that he has in the Lord his God. And I trust that um, that is also what we have that helps to carry us through from day to day. Um, knowing that God is there and he will carry us through. I think he also realized his, maybe his weakness, and maybe it's, um, kind of where I, maybe why I remember this, uh, maybe more than some other things, that as we go through this life, Is it easy for me to be uh, ashamed to speak out of the uh, things of my God and what he has done? But here the psalmist in his prayer, uh, he asked God to not let that be his part. He says, let not mine enemies triumph over me. In Romans the Apostle Paul, um, 
He writes there, I'm not, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And do I, do I remember that? Do I recall that? Um, the power of God is uh, something I can always rest in. And don't let my enemies triumph over me. One of the uh, prayer requests, I think, that, that came in at the close of that, that service was to remember to pray for Jason and how that um, oftentimes after bringing a message from the Word of God, how that the speaker is often um, attacked in various ways. And I guess, and that, that is uh, right and proper to hold those up, that, that break the word of Lord, the Lord to us. One other uh, part that um, also came to my mind here is that not only those that speak the word, but those that hear the word, um, I don't think Satan gives up on, on us either. Knowing the, uh, <clears throat> back in Matthew, as Christ is teaching his disciples, he gave the, the parable there of those, the sower and the seed. And the word went forth, and there were many that would hear, but he also uh, likens uh, the hearts of those that hear to the ground that uh, seed would fall on that it would uh, some was maybe not understood and instantly Satan was there to grab that away so that uh, there was no chance that they could that it could ever root down and uh, bring forth fruit. There were those that had it, the seed fell in, in stony places. You know, many times it, we hear the word and it um, instantly pricks us and we're ready to go forth in the power of that. But he mentions that doesn't have doesn't have root doesn't take root that it needs to sustain in um, the daily pressures of life and he also there were those that would hear that it seemed to grow it seemed to flourish but then the the cares of life um, would choke it out, and it would uh, no longer bear the fruit that God had intended. But there was also some that fell on good ground, some that would bring forth fruit and bear the fruit that, uh, that God intended. And as we look down through the prayer here of the psalmist, that he, his desire was that 
God would not allow him to become ashamed. Verse 4 says, show me thy paths, O Lord. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. In another place, he... Psalms mentions, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. <coughs> One of the ways that we can take advantage of the uh, word that we hear from time to time is to consider it, think on it uh, from throughout uh, Throughout the day, it's not something we just maybe think about on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, but continually as we go throughout our life that um, the Lord would continue to strengthen that which we have heard and to um, help us in that, in that way. And also the, the thought in the uh, seventh verse, remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Desire that, that God would not hold, for, hold against us the uh, times that we have uh, gone astray and so often slipped from his um, goodness, and the path that he would desire us to take. And as was pointed out, I think Brother Jason also pointed out that we can rest in the confidence that if, if we confess our sins, said God is willing, he is just to forgive us our sins, we find in also First uh, John chapter 1. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is willing to do his part. He has made a promise. I think Satan is ever, he is out, he strives to um, take away our confidence, to do whatever he can to um, make the word that we have heard from time to time of none effect in our life. Whatever method or angle he can try, I think he will, he will try it. And may that always be our prayer, that God would not allow Satan to triumph over us in that. <clears throat> would I come before him in prayer this morning? Before we do, we'd like to um, open up for prayer requests that you might have. Brother Tom, I might ask you to lead us in prayer. Okay, Brother Kurt's dad and his family. Kurt's dad isn't doing real well with health-wise. Phil?
Yeah, those in Russia and Ukraine, that the Christians might have a testimony there in face of all that struggle and turmoil that they're facing. Jenny. Okay, Britain and Christy Filburn, say, return to the United States for safety in her travel. And that, <coughs> okay, Brother Tom, you want to? <coughs> to the old
Imagine with me, as Bill was singing that song, through the outer doors, a man walked in, walked into our sanctuary, um, comes up front here. His appearance is authoritative, almost radiant. Nobody in the crowd doubts who he is. It is obviously the Lord Jesus Christ. He's walked in this morning, and... um, We all realize that the artists didn't get it right, but we we immediately know who he is just because of the way he carries himself. He walks up front, doesn't have to ask if he can speak because he's in charge. We we can just tell. And uh, he looks around a little bit, and then he asks this question. He says, do you love me more than anyone else? We're all kind of awestruck. It's obviously Jesus, and he's here speaking to us at Cornerstone today, but one of the children up front isn't, and it's almost like Jesus is looking right at this child, the child, his hand starts to go up, and there's an imperceptible nod, and he says, well, yes, Lord, you know we love you. He looks around at all of us and says, teach the young and vulnerable all about me. He's not done yet. He says again, do you love me? And now we've all got our feet under us. Yes, Lord, we love you. He gives us more instruction. Give all people the good news of me. But he's not done a third time. Do you love me? We're starting to wonder at this line of questioning and One of the more bold among us pipes up and says, Lord, you know everything. You know we love you. He says, give my people the good news of me. Be certain. He's still telling us. He's still instructing us. Jesus himself is here. Be certain that I have always been guiding everything that you've done here at this congregation. And I'm not done. I have more that I'm going to require of you. There will be more successes. There will be more health problems, more relationship problems. You will struggle spiritually. For me, I want you to shine in everything. For me, shine in suffering. And always continue to depend on me. Then he He turns to walk away, and as his foot steps off this platform here, he disappears. But before that happens, he says, follow me. Then he disappears. We were all about ready to jump up out of our seats, thought he was going to take us outside and show us something. But we're left with his question, do you love me? And his instruction to follow me. Open your Bibles to John chapter 21. Um, We're going to read this passage, and you will... Notice, maybe you already have, that my little imagination exercise there was based on this chapter right here. Um, The reason I do that is I feel like that, like Steve talked about, 
the word of God here is speaking directly to us, and it is imperative that we do what Jesus says, um, that we consider the question, do you love me? The context here for this chapter is after the resurrection, Jesus has died and rose again. And then in John chapter 20, he appeared to his disciples a couple times. But it doesn't look like, where obviously this isn't before he has ascended back to heaven. So while we're reading this, pay attention to the events that happen here and, and how they compare to previous events that, that Jesus had been involved in earlier in the Gospels. And also look for this, this, these questions that Jesus is asking. He's going to ask three questions, and one of them is repeated three times. That tells me it's, it's really important. So let's read John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals, and there, a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So... When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who, will, who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, 
If I will, that he remain till I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. First question that Jesus asks here, children, have you any food? I wanted to look at these three questions a little bit. This chapter grabbed my attention because of those questions of do you love me? But first Jesus asked, do you have any food? Jesus said earlier uh, in in John, I think it's in John chapter 6, that my body is real food, and my blood is real drink. So when he coordinates these events that are happening here that are similar to other events that have already happened, let's look at one of them. Um, Turn to Luke 5. We're going to read a few verses there. When he starts to coordinate these events, it appears like to me that he's reminding or in the process of reminding all these disciples that are out fishing of all of the events that had happened previously to his death and resurrection. I look at the reason that they're out fishing and I'm assuming Peter was a fisherman before Jesus originally called him and that's what we're going to read here. This this would have been a really intense, stressful time because Jesus died, he rose again, Everything is now totally different. We expected this man to be the Messiah. And now he showed himself to us again. So he is. But it's really a lot to process. And so it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go fishing. Um, so they're, they're out there. And I think he's trying to remind them of everything that happened before. But now it appears like there's a difference. Obviously, the resurrection um, would be different. Let's read... Uh, I'm going to read 1 through 11 here in Luke chapter 5. It looks very similar. This event looks very similar to to the miracle, we'll say, of the fish that we just read about in John chapter 21. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or same place, the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their, and their net was breaking. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now... 
you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I'm seeing a difference here in the follow him. I think if we looked in one of the other gospels at this point, and I don't believe we read it here, at this point he gave the command there too to follow me. Maybe we'll get more into that later. Um, It looks like there they were following him like a rabbi or a teacher. And this, after the resurrection, there's not necessarily different, but new. There's more to it, to following Jesus. And like I said in the beginning, I think he's asking us to follow him too. We'll just keep going here. Some differences there. Um, Back to John chapter 21. Then he also has some food ready for him. I think this is reminding them of just a few days or possibly a few weeks ago of the last supper that they had that is in John chapter 13 um, where he sets down and washes their feet, which was a servant's job. And then he goes on and and gives them all this instruction. I think there's three or four chapters worth of instruction he gives. Let's turn to John chapter 13. There's another important part that compares it to John chapter 21, I think. This would be verse 36, John 13. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus said to him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Two things here. You can't follow me now. So something's different about the the command he gave him to follow. That's why I'm assuming it was like a rabbi, like come and learn from me. And now after the resurrection in John chapter 21, He's giving the order three times. I think this references Peter's denials to him because as we all remember, Peter had three chances during the the events of the the trial and the crucifixion um, to not deny Jesus, and he did. Uh, I think one of the Gospels even says all the disciples forsook him and fled. But I think when Jesus asks these three questions this time, You could make a lot out of it, and I think uh, people are right when they do, but I think he's referencing Peter back to those times that he denied Jesus three times, and he gives him the chance. Now, do you love me? Yes. There's more. Follow me. The following is different, too, because before, as we read here, you can't follow me now. What's, What's the difference? Why couldn't he follow him then, and now he can Well, let's think about that. Um, Do you love me? The next question, repeated three times, do you love me? I am just defining love here as affection and devotion. Um, 
Last weekend, Brother Jason got deeper into that, deeper into the original language meaning of the word. And, and just like somebody's already said it, there's so much here, those things are all true. But, but for this, do you have affection and devotion for me, devotion to me? All of these things, when I, when I hear this question of do you love me, it's not normal uh, in our human circumstance, I'll say, to approach the, the love situation that way. A lot of times, say you're dating, you will actually do some things and you will wonder in your mind, does that person that I'm doing this to, do they love me? But you don't always just walk up to him and say, hey, do you love me? You will maybe make some, some actions. Jesus is looking for action here, obviously. You will, there will be some things you do for them. You may even offer, I love you, and then ask the question, do you love me? Um, because this is Jesus asking this question, it makes me start to think and wonder, and I, I think that we're seeing this, in the, the reading we did, he's reminding me of everything that he did. He, he's got it all wrote down in his word in the scripture here, but then we have experiences personally with him too. So when you hear that question from Jesus, like we our little imagination exercise in the beginning, do you love me? Well, yes. You've done everything. There's nothing you've done wrong to me. I think he's reminding us that he loved us first. But the question does leave him open to rejection from us. We have the choice to answer yes or no. But when he says, follow me after that, he's inviting us to know him so well, to, to remember all those things like he, he said, Spend time in his word to know him so well that obviously, yes, I love you. Also, when I hear this question and when I think about Jesus asking me this question, I, I wonder how it makes me feel. Sometimes, depending on what I'm doing, I don't think he's accusing me, but I feel accused because I've been doing things I shouldn't be. Sometimes I have been spending a lot of time in the Word and I, I feel noticed, I feel recognized when Jesus says, do you love me? Because it brings back all those memories and I'm as close as I've been to Him. It, the, the question and, and how you feel when you hear, hear it can kind of tell you about where you're at right now. In a conversation here recently, talking about the love of Jesus, um, we came up with, and I have heard this before several years ago, 13 or 14 years ago, uh, someone who believes that Jesus is, is God and that he died for our sins and that he loves us says, Jesus loves me so much that these sins that I have, that I continue to live in, he's just going to forgive them. I can just, just keep sinning and, and he'll just forgive them. I think that's a wrong, I'm certain that's a wrong understanding. 
And I was reminded of, of that concept as, as we look at this. And as I think about when Jesus asks me the question, do you love me? And I say yes, because he died for me and I need sins forgiven. I'm a sinner. But if I continue in them, I'm not following him. I know all those things he did. I can read the Bible and he didn't sin. I'm not following him. So that's just a wrong idea. But it's worse than that if I continue in sin. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13. And let's, this is what reminded me of it. It's, it's, this is a parable of a net or Jesus is talking about fishing again. So we got some more fishing going on here. Matthew chapter 13. Thinking about the question, while his love is unconditional of us, he loved us while we were yet sinners, he wants us to follow him. And if we continue to sin, we, we aren't following him. Look for verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. If I continue in sin... If I don't follow him and ask him to help me and let him redeem me and save me, there's an end here that's not very pretty. So while he does love us unconditionally, he, he wants action. He says, follow me. Why couldn't, Jesus, why couldn't Peter follow him in the previous account? The only thing I could come up with here is that, like we said, it was after the resurrection. He had told him to follow, and he was. But that Jesus wanted to do the act of the, of the most loving thing that he had ever done, and that was die for him and be resurrected, so that now when we, or Peter at that time, follow him in all of his ways, we have the assurance of an everlasting eternal life with him. He always could have done it because he's all-powerful God, but he wanted to get it in the right order. So I, that's about the only thing I could come up with why he couldn't follow then. That's what he was talking about. But now follow me now, possibly even all the way to death. This is the type of love that, that Jesus has for us. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. I'm understanding the lambs to be children and the sheep to be any person. I, I used to read that as, well, that is for church leaders um, to hear that, and they need to be the ones that feed the flock. I think Jesus created all people, and all we like sheep have gone astray, and he wants us now, in following him, to love all people like he did. Each one will be different. Some, some are believers, some aren't. Um, when we follow him, he'll tell us where to go. But in that following, we may have a situation, maybe it's us personally, maybe it's one of our family members, that 
is asking Jesus to heal them or wondering if Jesus loves them and they can't seem to get the healing, they can't seem to get the message, their life just doesn't seem to change. They continue. And so we, we ask God, we say, why won't you heal this? We have prayed in your name. We've followed all your commands. Why won't you heal this? I don't know. I don't really have the answer. But I come to this last question when he's talking to me and he says, what is that to you? If I were to say that to somebody, when they questioned me, there would be sarcasm involved. There would be disrespect involved. The, the creator of the earth that died for us first can say this with none of those things in his voice. What is that to you? You follow me. And I will work that out for you. I added that part, but that's the way I understand it. So I want to close here before too long. And I'm going to make a pretty bold statement here. It may sound a little arrogant, so stick with me on this one. I have found the answer to all the world's problems. And I'm here today, and I'm going to give it to you. And it is for every one of us to answer these questions every day. As if Jesus were asking them to us, because he is right here in his word. When you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed, and you're feeling a little hungry, imagine that Jesus asks you, do you have any food? Yes. Yes, I have some food. Who, who gave you the food? Well, Jesus did. So you get out, of, get out of bed, you're getting around, maybe your wife makes breakfast or your mom, or you made it yourself, and the food's sitting there in front of you. And before you go to take a bite, answer the question, do you love me? This needs to be in our routine for the day, because at lunch, the same thing's going to happen. There's the food. Do you love me? Bow your head and tell him if you love him. At supper, do you love me? And then before you go to bed, that situation may have came up that day, or maybe you're worried about tomorrow. There's going to be a stressful day tomorrow. I got a big day at work. He says, what is that to you? Follow me. Jesus spent, in following Jesus, Jesus spent a lot of time talking to the Father in prayer. We need, we need to follow him in that. I noticed a lot of sets of threes of things that happened in here, and I didn't know if it had anything to do with, with God being a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we need to take God and put him first in all of our relationships with other people. There will typically be us, and we'll be in a relationship with someone else, whether it's uh, one of our children, our wife, a friend. We need to have God in there with us. We need to be able to answer these questions. So tomorrow, next week, we have set aside a day where we are going to do all kinds of things to tell people that we love them. When you wake up in the morning, answer Jesus first. Do you love me? Then when you go have that relationship with your wife, with your kids, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, the love that you are basing your love on is his. Answer Jesus first. Then you'll be ready to love. Let's have a song before we pray.
bow in prayer.